60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Robert Palmer is the consumer empowering voice explaining all the important facets of finance from savings to credit cards, credit scores, loans of all types, and of course, helping you build your financial future. On today's show, we'll talk about the basics of credit card scores. How is that score set and who all is involved in that? We'll guide you to some really consumer empowering information on credit cards. We'll talk about the evils of that debit card that you're carrying right now. We'll talk about department store credit card offers and how they catch you off guard. And we'll talk about sneaky ways that in all facets of finance that you are tricked into fees and to high interest credit. And we'll talk more on junk fees and how RP Funding, a member of the Robert Palmer family of companies, saves you from fees and gives you more money to put toward your house. So it's going to be a very exciting show today, and we hope that while you're listening to the show, that if you're not driving, that you will go to savingthousands.com and check out this very informative tool for your consumer empowerment. Robert, let's talk about the credit scores. Who's involved in this, and how is the score actually set? And, And so people understand a little bit how credit scoring works. Again, the basics. A lot of, I mean, just the basics of this, so many people don't understand. So there are three credit bureaus in this country. All right, mm-hmm. Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. All right, these guys don't generate the credit scores, right? They didn't invent the credit scores. What they invented was, and they call them repositories. What they are is they're basically the holding bank. They hold all the information on your credit. And so what happens is all of the credit companies, all the mortgage companies, all the big car lenders, collection agencies, all these people, they transmit data to the three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. And then these guys keep a file of you, right? So that file is your credit report. And again, they're not getting daily updates. They get it once a month. Some companies only report every couple of months. I've got one credit card in particular. They only report every couple months. Really? So if I miss that deadline and I've got a balance on there, that balance is going to stick with me for the next two or three months. It drives me crazy. It's a smaller credit union that I that I bank with, mm-hmm. and they just they don't report as often as as the bigger guys do. You know, because you think about it, like there is a there's a they have to actually physically do it. Like they have to gather all this data up and put it in a format that's acceptable to the credit bureaus, and they got to transmit it to them. It's not, there's not just like it just beams around in the sky, mm-hmm. right? And so we actually, we report now, you know, on the loans that we service at RP Funding, we had to get set up to to report to the credit bureaus. And so what happens is the credit bureaus have this big file on you and each of your credit lines is only is only transmitting the data once a month in most cases. But uh, that means that the data is hitting them all throughout the month, right? Because one of my credit cards may send the transmission on the 3rd and one may send the transmission on the 10th and one may send the transmission on the 20th. And so it's constantly changing as these new transmissions come in. Well, then there's another company called Fair Isaac Corporation, which we all know is FICO, Uh F-I-C-O. And these are the guys that actually invented the credit score. Okay. So what Fair Isaac, F-I-C-O, FICO, Fair Isaac Corporation figured out is they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get all that data from Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, and then we're going to run a model on it and we're going to give it back a number. You know, we're going to give it back a score. Because what what they realized or the problem they were trying to solve is a lot of lenders, you know, credit card companies, it was it was very expensive to pay someone to read through seven years of your credit data and then try to decide if you were going to be a credit worthy person or not. Uh-huh. Right. So they would they would look through and they would pay these people, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year whose job were to look through the credit report and say, OK, well, he's had this he's had this car loan for six years and never missed a payment. And he's had this credit card for 18 years and never missed a payment. Nope. Nope. There he, he had a late payment on this credit card back five years ago. You know, oh, this credit card's pretty near its balance, you know. And and then these, it was like an art form. These people's job was then to, <laughs> like, process all this data and decide, okay, do we think this person's going to pay or not? So what Fair Isaac figured out, uh, FICO, is they took all this data and they went back and they analyzed it and they said, okay, so we see here that in June, this guy filed bankruptcy, right? So what did his credit look like in February, March, April, and May leading up to that bankruptcy? Because those are the warning signs 
that someone is heading toward a bankruptcy. And so when they took millions and millions of credit reports and they dumped them all into the scoring model, and then the scoring model took negative events in people's credit files and then looked back to see what was happening immediately before that negative event, and that's what they used to, to generate their scoring model. And so the big pitch to the lenders was, hey, instead of having to pay this person all this money to read through 30 pages of this guy's credit report, we're going to give you back a number. And that number gives you the probability that this loan will pay back. And so if your credit score is down in the 500s, you have something like a like a 50, 50 to 60% chance of paying mm-hmm. the money back. It's pretty low. And then if your credit score is over 760 or 780, it's like you have like a 99.9% chance that you're going to pay that money back. And and so we over the years, as the credit score has been reinforced more and more and more, there are lenders today, that's all they look at. I mean, for a lot of credit cards and car loans today, mm-hmm. they, they don't even look at the, the data behind it. They just look at the score. And if the score says 780, boom, you're good to go. If the score says 580, you're out the door. I mean, it really has just come down to that. And so because we are now being judged by this number, and the biggest problem with the number, Rob, is the number can't know about things that happen in your life, right? You can't tell the number, oh, well, I went through a bad divorce, and those aren't my debts. Those are my ex-spouse's debts, and they're a deadbeat. You know, the, 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 the number can't see that, right? And so we took so much of the human element out of this, but it's important for consumers to understand because- Again, it doesn't affect that on your credit until you go 30 days late, right? So if, if your credit card is due on the 3rd, you know, I got a, a credit card payment, it's 100 bucks, and it's due on April 4th. As long as I make it by May 3rd, it's not going to reflect negatively on my credit report, right? It's not considered a 30-day late. And then, so then they go in 30-day increments. So a 30-day late is kind of your first ding, and then you have all the way until a 60-day late before it gets worse, and then a 90-day late, and, and so on and so forth then other types of debts don't report at all. Like if you're 30 days late on your electric bill, like they can cut your power off yeah. and it never goes on. It goes on your credit report much later if they actually file a collection against you. Uh. But uh, but so so say your your power bill's due on, you know, April, April 3rd and I don't pay it by May 3rd and then they send me the warning notice and I don't pay it by June 3rd and then they come shut my power off and then like, oh God, I need my power back on. So mm-hmm. I find the money running there and pay it and they turn the power back on. Uh, that never reflects on your credit report. That whole transaction wow. of, of being three months late and having the credit, the, the power cut off will not affect your credit report, your credit score at all. Now, four or five months later, if you still haven't paid it, now they will sell that account to a collection agency or they will file a collection against you. And that does go on your credit. And that's mm-hmm. very, very damaging. So one of the things that, that people have to understand is if you do hit hard times, uh, if you don't pay your cell phone bill, it's not going to ruin your credit. If you don't pay your car payment within the 30 days, you know, if you pay your car payment day 31, if you pay your credit card at day 31, now your credit score is going to drop hundreds of points. Ooh, if you pay boy. your cell phone bill at day 60, nobody cares. It doesn't go on your credit. You pay your utility bill, your water bill, your power bill, your property tax bill. These things you can be late with and they don't show up on your credit. So, again, this is where education is important, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so knowing this, you know, when I hit hard times in my life and there's been there's been times, you know, when, when I when I started my first uh, – my first mortgage company, Rob, and I, I, you know, I've had I've had two thirty day late payments in my life, ever on my credit. It was wow. both times because I just screwed up, like, it, it totally blew it. One, I swear I paid, mm-hmm. and discovered says I didn't, and I want I hate those guys. Like I <laughs> I canceled that card, and I will never do business with them again because I know I paid that bill anyway. Uh, but so early on, you know, when I started my first mortgage company, uh, there was actually a point where I think I was like three months late on the phone bill for the office, you know, because it was tough. You know, starting off was tough. Sure. This was. I was young. I think I was probably like 19 or 20, and you know, I had this great idea that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own my own mortgage company, and I go out there, and I really didn't have enough money to do it, and I gave it a whirl. And uh, so I was like I was like three months late on my, on my office phone bill, and my, my best friend at the time's dad actually loaned me the money to go pay it. Wow. Uh, my, my mom didn't have the money. You know, my mom couldn't help me out. My parents couldn't help me out. So my best friend's dad loans me like 1000 bucks. And I remember I'm down in line. At, this was like GTE back then, yeah, you know, back. GTE, general telephone. I'm in line, and- and the, the lady tells her, she's like, okay, sir, you know, that's $1,011, whatever. The guy behind me is like, what? How is your phone bill? Like, he like, this guy, <laughs> random guy behind me in line is like freaking out that, that my phone bill is like just over $1,000. And it was three months worth. They were about to shut it off. Oh, and let me God. tell you, when you own a small business and your phone gets shut off, mm-hmm. you're, you're out of business. That's you it. are done. Uh, and so, but the whole time I kept paying my, my credit cards and my cars. I had paid the stuff that would have reflected on my credit. Because if my credit score dropped, right? So as soon as I walked in there and I handed... GTE, $1,000, always forgiven. 
It was like it never happened, right? The phone stayed on. Everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Had I gone three months late on a credit card, it would have affected my credit score for the next 12, 18, 24 months. Mm-hmm. Had I gone three months late on my car payment, same thing, right? So I knew. You know, there was a point my power got cut off back in the day. It probably got cut off a couple times back in the day. You know, and I'd be sitting around for a week with no power dealing with it. Go stay at a buddy's house because I, I got no power at my house. But again, I made sure I paid the credit cards and I made sure I paid the car loan because if those were late, it would have ruined my credit score. And in everything in life, especially as a small business owner, you know, if I wanted to get a new copy machine for the business, anything I wanted to do, when I went to open that, that, that uh, phone account, they didn't make me give them a deposit because I had such a good credit score. Nice. You know, I almost got shut off because I didn't pay him for three months because I couldn't. <laughs> but you know, again, so it, we, it, you've got to understand the system. You've got to understand how the system works so you can play by the rules. So you can play by their rules and protect your credit score because little decisions like that. I mean, I think about that. Somebody who doesn't know that 30 days is the magic number, Rob, and, and they pay that, you know, they get the money on day 29, but then they don't pay it until day 30 or day 31 because they didn't know any better. They they thought they were already done, right? Sure. They thought when they when they got the late fee at day 15 that their credit was already ruined. And this happens to a lot of people. Uh-huh. You know, they get the day, you're 15 days late, you get charged the late fee, and you're thinking, oh, I just ruined my credit. What am I going to do? I just ruined my credit. I got to pay a late fee on this. In reality, you're good. You've got 15 more days. Uh-huh. It doesn't affect your credit until you're past 30 days due. But people don't know that. And that's where education is so huge. And this is something I think we should be teaching in our schools that we're not. And, uh, you know, that's, that's again, it's why I'm here mm-hmm. on the radio to try to open people's minds up to this. Because everything you do in life, buying a house, buying a car, starting a small business, all of these things, you know, getting your kid into college and trying to get student loans, all of these things are going to be based on your credit score. You know, and so if mm-hmm. you don't have the good credit score, uh, you may not be able to get the things you want in life. Remember at the beginning of the show how I told you about SavingThousands.com? It's a perfect partner with our radio shows that we put out on over 80 radio stations each week. And don't forget, Robert Palmer also has his own channel on iHeart. You can simply go to iHeart and on the search engine, just put in the name Robert Palmer. Before you know it, you'll have access to 24 hours a day, seven days a week, year-round programs from Robert Palmer. And, you know, when you go to the site, SavingThousands.com, you'll also find articles written by our Saving Thousands research team. And I've been looking at those and gauging how many people are reading each article. Right now, the first place article is getting that first automobile loan. Coming in second, don't be tricked into the wrong credit card. Kind of what we're talking about here today, right? The ills of auto pay. Oh, wait till you hear that. And just think about all the things that you have on auto pay right now that you pay no attention to month after month after month. All right. A great article is understanding debt consolidation and your options. And finally, FICO, the only score that counts and how is it determined? And we'll cover a lot of that in today's show as well. But Robert, you actually want people to delve farther into their credit card bill than just that one screen they see on their smartphone or their computer when they're looking up how much they owe and when to pay on their credit card billing, right? So here's what I want everyone to do. I want you to download those PDFs and I want you to look at them, all right? (laughs) Take the statement credit, let them stop mailing them to you, that's fine. We'll all save the environment together, but don't stop looking at the paper statement. Mm -hmm. You know, so go on there, click however many links you have to click to to find the PDF of your paper statement and get it and look at it. And I want you to sit down and I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say to yourself, I spent... $391.11 last month in interest. Say it four or five times to yourself, Mm. all right? And see how differently you feel about leaving balances on those credit cards, right? Because information is power, folks, and they know it, and they're afraid of it. Mm -hmm. You know, they know. They want to shut me up so bad they can't stand it, you know? I'm out here telling people all the dirty tricks, right? And and, and then guess what? If you know about the dirty tricks, they don't work anymore. That's right. right? The tricks only work because you don't know. You're sitting here thinking, oh, this is so great, we're saving the environment, right? And the average consumer doesn't recognize that, well, there's no, all this information is missing from the new screen, right? Just, what, you know, what, what's going on here? You know, and, and and just, it's this cat and mouse game. And so, you know, maybe next the government will start to regulate the online banking and make them show more of this information. Mm-hmm. And then they'll just figure out how to stick it somewhere else, right? Then they'll move it from the internet to a mobile app. And then the government will come back out and say, oh, well, when you have a mobile app, you have to show the information. You know, it's just, it's this constant cat and mouse game and the consumer is always going to lose. 
unless the consumer educates themselves, unless we educate ourselves, mm -hmm. unless we become skeptical of these companies, right? Unless we look out for ourselves, unless we try to find the hidden meaning in, in everything they're doing. Because trust me, they're not making any decisions because they could care less about the environment, okay? It's not, everything has an agenda with large financial services companies. This is one of the first things I learned in my career. It's one of the things that drove me out of the big financial services companies. Mm -hmm. What drove me into starting my own companies, what drove me into starting RP funding so I could be different, so I could not play the game, so I could not hide things from people, so I could not try to sit up at night and try to figure out ways to, to, you know, to get around government regulation, to not have to show people the truth because, oh my God, what if they pay us back on time and don't waste money on interest? And what if we don't charge them fees and how are we ever going to survive? It's easy, folks. It's really easy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if you think about, if you think about how little they pay us on our savings accounts and how little they pay us on bonds, right? How dare they charge anyone a 29% interest rate on a credit card? But it happens. Mm -hmm. It happens today. And it happens to a lot of people. And those people just don't realize. They just, they don't realize. They, they're not, they don't see. They, they can't tell how bad it is. And that's what this is all about. So that is my, uh, that's my rant about the credit card industry uh, so do yourself that favor. Look at the PDF. Study those boxes. They really have some great information. The, mm -hmm. the new regulations force them to show you what it would look like to pay that debt off sooner, what making a small extra payment every month would do, and get yourself on a plan to get that debt retired. You know, I, I'm a, I personally am a big fan of paying off your highest interest rate debt first. Uh, I know there's, there's yeah. others that, that preach differently. Uh, I'm a numbers and cents guy. Mm -hmm. So if credit card A is at 29% interest, and $1,000, it's costing me $290 a year, okay? If credit card B is at 15% interest, and it's a $500 balance, right? It's not costing me as much, but it's not costing me near as much because the percentage is different. And so if I put $100, if I make an extra $100 payment on a 15% interest rate card, I save $15. If I put a $100 extra payment on a 29% interest rate card, I save $29. I would rather save $29 and $15. So when you decide you want to start retiring your debt, you've got to start with the highest interest rate debts. And guess what? If you've got a credit card that's 0% interest for six months, don't pay that one off first. No hey, way. You know, you want to know when you pay that one off? Six months and one day, right? Day 181. <laughs> you know, stick it to them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because, hey, let me tell you, that six months, you know, because you've seen these, Rob, you get these offers. Oh, yeah. Transfer your balance to us and we'll give you six months six with months. no interest, right? And they lose money during that six months. Right. I mean, they lose a lot of money. I mean, in our example, if you took your $1,000 limit, $1,000 balance that they're paying 29% interest on, 290 bucks a year, you transfer it over, right? You're going to save half of that money for six months of no interest, right. right? You save half of that 290 bucks right there, done. And, uh, and so take advantage of these opportunities. And so don't pay that one off first. And, and while you're mm -hmm. saving the, the $145 on that card, we'll put that somewhere else. Put that on one of your other interest rate, higher interest rate cards. But then beware, because when the 0% expires, you now have a new master in life, and they may have a higher interest rate. You know, you yeah. never know. You got to look at it. And, and so these are all the decisions we have to make as consumers. And if we are conscious of what we are spending in, in interest, right? Because right? I think what a lot of people think is like, oh, so I, I bought that, I bought that uh, stuff. I bought the stuff. I went down to Best Buy and I bought some stuff, and the stuff cost $1,000. And so I mailed in a payment this month of $80. Well, now I probably only owe $920 on my stuff. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. You owe $998 on your stuff, even though you made an $80 payment, because that's mm -hmm. how interest works. The interest gets paid first. They pay themselves first, right? So when you make that payment, they take the interest out, then whatever's left goes towards your balance. And so once you've made $1,000 worth of payments, you do not owe zero. You know, you're probably still going to owe four or $500, depending on how long it took you to make that $1,000 worth of payments. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is what we've got to understand. We've got to do a better job of understanding interest, how it works, how it can make us a slave. And, and so when you think about this, Rob, we're talking about credit cards at, at numbers like 29%, 19%, 22%. Mortgage rates are in the threes and the fours. Wow. Right? So, I mean, where, where do you want to put your money? You know, I mean, I will have people come in here and, and you know, they, they want to put 20% down because they don't want to pay PMI, but they've got all these credit cards. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, well, come on, put 10% down and pay off your credit cards. Stop being a slave to the interest. Well, there's a lot more saving thousands with Robert Palmer coming up on the show today, but I wanted to give you another couple of tools that you can use 
to become further empowered so that you can become your own chief financial officer. You'll have more money at the end of the week, more money at the end of the month. Does that sound good? I mean, you know, there's too many of us that will get to Wednesday and we'll be going, I'm totally out of money. I can't wait for Friday to get that paycheck. Well, we shouldn't have to live like that. That's making us a victim and we shouldn't be a victim. We should be totally in charge of our money. And the way we're losing our money is all these crazy fees and all these scams. We get talked into things. We make impulse buys. And that's just not an empowered consumer. All right. So we are taking every radio show that we air and we're placing those on the savingthousands.com website right there where it says radio shows. You can click on that and you can pick out shows and info modules. These are shorter versions of each topic. And you can just listen to those on demand anytime you want, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's right. It's the radio shows tab at savingthousands.com. Recent shows that are getting a lot of hits and a lot of mileage. How does the loan process work? What is underwriting and documentation during the mortgage process? The formula for a refinance. How do you figure that out? Getting the family involved with financing and student loans and the major crisis being faced by a lot of people who have fallen for these scams from the for-profit colleges and universities who are now being fined by the federal government. Wow. All that and more is yours at savingthousands.com. Now, Robert, tell us about that card that's in our wallet or purse that we shouldn't have in there. Uh, so, Rob, we, real quick, since we're talking about credit cards, I want to touch on the debit card issue. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, so the, the big thing here... Uh, and you know, and 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 Jill, uh, when we were in New York, uh, Jill momentarily thought she had misplaced her wallet, and I'm like, well, uh, well, at least you don't have a debit card on you this time around, right? Yeah, we remember the first yeah. story. <laughs> so, uh, what what can happen? This is why I'm against debit cards. So, when it comes to fraud protections, uh, legally, right? So now some banks will have additional protections, but but as far as the global market, what the law says, uh, you do not receive the same kind of fraud protections on a debit card that you receive on a credit card, right? So on a credit card, you call them and you're, you're only liable, I think, for like the first $50, right. uh, even if it takes you a while to report and discover. Uh, on a debit card, on a debit card, you are, are responsible. Uh, if you report it in the first 48 hours, it's $50. After 48 hours, it goes to $500. Uh, and then after 30 days, you're, you're liable. You don't get any of the money back, right? So that, that part, yeah, you may catch it fast enough. That may or may not hurt you. The real problem is the fact that the thief is now dipping directly into your checking account, right? So uh, this is the this is the story I like to tell. This is the scenario that really paints this picture. Uh, so on one of Jill and mine's first date, uh, her purse was stolen. We were at a, a, a club in downtown Orlando, and someone stole her purse. And they went immediately to a number of gas stations uh, and completely wiped out her bank account. And at the time, uh, she had a debit card, and they they were using her debit card. Uh, and so because of this, uh, her rent check ended up bouncing, uh, which created a, a, you know, a nightmare with the landlord, you know, and, and overdraft fees upon overdraft fees and return check fees and all of this disaster happening uh, because with a debit card, see, with a credit card, so let's just kind of roll the same scenario back. So in scenario A, they take her debit card and they, and they go, she's got $2,000 in the bank. And they wipe it all out. And I don't know how much she had. I'm just throwing out numbers. Uh, we weren't married or, or entwining our finances at that point. So <laughs> we'll hypothetically say she had $2,000. Whatever she had, they used it all. Sure. So they go. They, she has $2,000 in her checking account. And they go roll up $2,000 worth of charges on her debit card. She now has $0 in her checking account. Oh. And, uh, and, and her rent bounces and all these terrible things happen. And I would say 10, 12, 14 days later, uh, all the money got put back because it was fraud and she did report it quickly. But still, for 10, 12, 14 days, she sat there with an overdrawn checking account, racking up overdraft oh. charges. And I'll have to ask her if her bank worked with her on that. Hey, baby, if you're listening, send me a text, 35353, or my personal cell, and let me know if if the bank refunded you those overdraft fees or not. I don't I don't know that part of the story. Boy. So anyway, so all these overdraft fees, the account's negative, uh, all this is happening, right? Let's go to scenario B. She had not, She was not carrying a debit card. All she had was credit cards. Right. So now she has $2,000 in her checking account. The, the thief takes her credit card and racks up $2,000 worth of charges. 
Well, how much money is in her checking account, Rob? Two thousand. Still two thousand. She didn't lose any money. She didn't lose any money, right? So now her rent check doesn't bounce. Uh, no overdraft fees. Nothing happens. The the worst thing happening to her right now is she has two thousand dollars sitting on a credit card, right? Which isn't even racking up interest yet, because it's it's the billing cycle hasn't closed. We get the grace period. Nothing is happening. Her credit card limit is down by two thousand dollars, but that's okay. She's got her two grand in the bank that she needs to live off of, right? And so then you you report it with the credit card companies. And from my experience, most credit card companies will take the transactions out almost immediately. That's All right. right. And, and even right. if they do take some time to research it, it's not affecting your life because your $2,000 is still sitting in your checking account. Right. And, and so I am so passionate about this. I made my bank give me an ATM card. Right. They're like, no, sir, we, we, here's your check card. No, 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 no. I want an ATM card. You know, the kind with the pin number. Oh, well, yes, sir. This, this check card right here can be used as an ATM card. No, you are not listening to me. <laughs> I am not accepting a card from you that has a Visa or a MasterCard logo on it and is tied to my checking account. Well, sir, I don't know if we even have those anymore. Well, you need to call someone or I'm going to close my account and go find a bank that does. Mm-hmm. And so I have a good old fashioned ATM card. It does not have a Visa logo on it. It does not have a MasterCard logo on it. You cannot use it just with a signature. The only way to use this card is at an ATM machine with a PIN number, right? Nice. So this this is my protection because most thieves have no way to crack my PIN number, right? Uh, you know, and, right. and and if they do, most ATMs have a limit. You can't take more than I think you can't take more than four or five hundred dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Where right. when that debit card is in, you know, when that card is in debit card mode, they can clean you out. Uh, so I do not carry a check card. I do not think uh, any of my financial ninjas should carry check cards. I think you should all go to your bank today and tell them you want an ATM card mm-hmm. that doesn't have a Visa logo on it and doesn't have a Mastercard logo on it. And the teller will look at you like you have seven eyes and, and kind of like jaw drop, like what do you what yeah. you why don't no? It's so convenient, sir. You want the Visa check card? No, I do not. Right. I am not giving anyone who gets their hands on my wallet, you know, access to my checking account. So, you know, think about it. When when we went to Rome, imagine if, if we're over there, we're over in Rome and somebody gets their hands on on your check card and cleans out your bank account. I mean, it's just scary. So uh, the other thing is I, I never – I'm kind of paranoid about this, Rob, you yeah. know, obviously. Uh, I, I never carry all my credit cards either. There's always a couple at home Very smart. in the safe, right? Very smart. So if something goes wrong and my wallet gets stolen, I am not without, right? I, I can – I can go home and I can grab my backup cards out of the safe. I can kill those couple cards uh, that got stolen, and I can I can roll around and continue life as usual uh, because I put I charge everything, and then I just pay it off. Right? I mean, I because from a record keeping standpoint, uh, you know, it's it's so easy. I just, I put everything on a credit card depending on what what week of the month it is. I, I use my credit card of the week based on the statement closing date, so I can get maximum float, and I put everything on my credit cards, and then I pay them off. And that then I rack up a lot of points. And you will be amazed uh, who I would say pretty much everyone out there except for your mortgage company will take a credit card. You can pay just about anything on a credit card these days, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, and then, too, it's good record keeping. You know, I go back at the end of the month and I'm like, where did the money go? Let me pull up the old card and figure it out. You know, like taxes, end of the year. Yeah, everything's it's right there. It's all right there. It's all right there. So that's yes, yeah, so that that's my big anti-debit card. You know, the the. The first one is just the legal protections. They're not there. They're not there in the same way as the credit card. And really, what's the benefit to us as a consumer? I mean, oh, well, so the final thing uh, in our example, so I'm talking about credit cards and float, right? So when, when you use a debit card, the money comes out of your checking account right then, right? Then, right? And, and and so when when I show people where they can put their money to earn a little yield, which we're going to do in, in later shows, if your money's there, it's earning you a little bit of interest. And if you can, if you use credit cards, you get 60 days in some cases to pay that money back without paying a dime of interest during the, the statement period and then the grace period. Well, if you're using a debit card, you don't get that float. The minute you charge it, it comes out of your bank account. Mm-hmm. Your ability to earn money on your money goes away. You know, and, and again, because interest rates have been so low for so long, uh, a lot of people are kind of like, well, I can't earn money on my money anyway. Well, you, there are ways, but more importantly, rates will not always be this low. And what I will tell you, Rob, is that when when interest rates, when Fed rates were in the fives and sixes, right, I still had a credit card that was at 9.99. And now that the Fed rate is is basically nothing, 
credit card rates didn't really come down, right? Oh. And so, you know, uh, uh, while long-term interest rates came down, short-term interest rates for most consumers did not come down the way as much as the loss of income on savings and checking and other things did. So what I will tell you is we will quickly be back in an environment where interest rates are higher, where you can earn money on CDs and savings and everything, and these strategies, because the amount of interest you pay on a credit card during the grace period it will always be zero. So even if you can earn 1%, mm-hmm. 2 3% on your money, which those days are coming back. I promise you, they are coming back. I, you know, I, uh, I am very involved in an industry that is very tied to interest rates. <laughs> and trust me, I make a lot more money when rates are low, but I am not, uh, I am not ignorant to the fact that rates are going mm-hmm. to go up. Uh, and so as we see rates increase, um, you know, as we see rates increase, we're going to have more opportunities as financial ninjas to take advantage of the system. I'm also going to uh, put together, a, you know, a tutorial for people on the website uh, in the coming weeks. That'll be our second research project. So after the credit card research project is done, uh, then we will work on a research project for where I think you can invest your money safely nice. to earn some basic yield. Because that, that's the two sides of this equation, right? In order to maximize and make money off of our money and be a financial ninja, we have to minimize the amount of interest we pay. But then we have to have a way to earn a little interest as well. Say, have you heard about the Home Value Hotline is offered by Robert Palmer and the family of companies? Well, the Home Value Hotline is your direct way to find out what is your home really, really worth. So why is the Saving Thousands Home Value Hotline so much more accurate than, let's say, some of those big advertisers, maybe the big Z? Well, let's look at the numbers. Suddenly, there are many, many companies like the big Z who are popping up and saying that they can give you the value of your home. Well, basically what they're doing is putting together a figure that's based on square footage sales and recent sales in your area. What that doesn't consider is the local slant, the local equation, like where's the new expressway coming through? What are the new hot places around town? Is there a large development coming in of retail and education and all kinds of entertainment? You'd like to be close to that, right? Well, see, the other services don't give you that for your own backyard, but the Home Value Hotline does. And how do they do it? Well, they bring in licensed professional realtors who, with no obligation, will simply determine the value of your house based on the prices that they've been setting in your neighborhood. It doesn't get any better than that. And that is the Home Value Hotline at 866-222-8231-866-222-8231. Robert, when we're in line at a department store, all of a sudden we're told that we could save on this purchase of carrying right up there right now. We could save on it if we apply for the department store credit card. Why isn't this a good idea? Yeah, we we pulled an example of this. I I don't have the exact numbers, but roughly... So we looked at the bank that was backing the card, That's right. right? Because the thing is, the department stores, it's not their money. They go hook up with a big bank and say, hey, big bank, we can, we can scam our customers into signing up for these cards so we can charge a much higher interest rate, whatever. So they get together and they say, all right, we're going to charge these people 29% interest, 25% interest, whatever. If you called that bank directly, you can get a card at like 12% interest or 13% interest. I mean, they, they literally double it because you're getting it in line at the store. Now, you can take you can take advantage of this. You can use this to your advantage. You know, you can pay that card off. You can, you can make sure that they never get a dime of interest out of you, and then you do get that savings. But what happens, a lot of people don't, Rob. And, and, oh. and what I will tell you is uh, I personally do not think having a trade line is worth you know, if you look at the savings, right? So if you're going to buy a $250 item or $200 item and they're going to give you 20% off, you're going to save 40 bucks. You know, I don't know that 40 bucks, in my opinion, is worth uh, applying for a new credit card, getting the credit ding, having this new trade line. Because remember, the first six months of having a new trade line, it, it hurts your credit. And yeah. so are you going to let, you're going to let your credit score suffer for six months just to save 40 bucks? There's people who do it to save $5 because they're, it's a smaller ticket when they check out at Kohl's or whatever. And, and I think you have to be more strategic about where you use these. You have to be strategic in if you end up buying a car and you miss out on the 0% interest deal because your credit score fell because you took the, the $40 savings of the department store. Or if you miss out on a, like a, if there's like an 18-month interest-free for furniture or for a big jewelry purchase or whatever, you may miss out on that because your credit score dipped because you took advantage of that little store card. Yep. Uh, so I am not a fan. I, I, I think we've got to be strategic as financial ninjas. But we've got to be we've got to be more strategic than that. Just because you can mm-hmm. save a few bucks, even if you pay it off, 
and never let them get interest out of you, it's still now a new trade line. There's still some some downside to having it. And, and I think there are better alternatives where you can save more money uh, by making better decisions in other ways. And if you're not a very responsible consumer, and a lot of people are a little bit lazy about this, they'll go, okay, here's JCPenney where I have a $1,000 uh, credit limit. Okay. Here's Kohl's where I only, I don't have a credit limit. Oh, I can go over there and get the clothes. Cause they say I've got that much money. You know, when it comes to department stores. You think, Oh, that's how much merchandise I can have. You don't think about the payments. No, absolutely. You know, uh, <laughs> in the, in the early days when Jill and I were broke, you know, when I first opened RP funding, uh, we lived like her best buy card. She had a best buy card that had like a couple thousand bucks limit on it. <laughs> and so like, if we needed anything that you could possibly buy at best buy, we were going to best buy. And now we weren't going to shop around. We weren't worried about getting the best deal. Because we had credit there, yeah. you know, and, and this is the trap they want you to fall into uh, because they know that's what's going to happen. And so there, there's really this is where rule number three comes in, the three day rule. So one of our you know, no, rule number three on the saving thousands rules here is the three day rule. Well, if you're standing in line at Kohl's or Best Buy or whatever and they offer you a credit card, you can very politely say, well, I'm sorry, I have to wait three days before I can make a decision. That's it's part of my rules. It's part of how I live financially. I'm a financial ninja. I don't make, I don't apply for credit. I don't make a decision like that without, you know, reviewing it for three days. So if you'll please give me the pamphlet on your little, you know, little on your card, give me a little flyer so I can go home and I can study the interest rate, the APR, the annual fee, and and all the terms and conditions. Uh, then if in three days, if it seems like a good idea to me, I will come back and I will get your little credit card. And they'll say, but sir, you're gonna miss out on the opportunity to save twenty percent on today's hundred dollar purchase. And I will say, well, that, that's okay. I'll probably be back here and spend $100 again, uh, and I'll just apply for the card then, three days from now or later. So then uh, three days later, you say, you know what? It does seem like a good idea to get that Kohl's card or whatever. I shop there a lot. I think it's worth it. Uh, if that's the decision you make after three days of thinking about it, then the next time you go shopping there, maybe a month later, maybe six weeks later, and you spend $100, now you can take advantage of the discount. Uh -huh. But I want you to go in there having already done your homework. I want you to know what the annual fee is. I want you to know what the APR is. I want you to make that decision three days prior, right, to actually doing it. So now when you're in there shopping, you know at the register, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Kohl's card. You made a decision on your own terms. No one pressured you. You weren't distracted by being in line. You've looked at this and you've made a decision as a financial ninja that this is something that makes sense for you. This is one of the credit cards, one of the tools that you want in your arsenal. And you've thought on it and you've slept on it and you followed rule number three, the three-day rule. And now you're ready to go back in there and you're ready to get that card the way a financial ninja would, which is prepared as a conscious decision, not just falling into the smoke and mirrors of the discount. You'll still mm -hmm. get your discount. I mean, that's the thing. They give you the discount one time whenever you sign up for the card. Well, how many times? If you're only going to shop there once in your life, what's the point? Yeah, amen. Otherwise, just wait and get the card the next time you're there if it still seems like a good idea. So that is my advice when it comes to store charge cards because all of a sudden you will wake up one day and you will find a balance on there and you will be paying a ridiculous interest rate uh, all because you fell into that trap and didn't follow the three-day rule and didn't, probably good. didn't follow the, the rule number two either which is know your numbers. And you probably didn't follow rule number one, which is shop around. Shop around, know your numbers, follow the three-day rule. That's the top three rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Well, Robert, speaking of the rules, like you said, rule number one is always shop around for purchases, banks, ATM fees, monthly fees. Number two is to know your numbers, credit scores, home values, balances, interest rates. Number three, of course, the three-day rule. When we set our mind on buying something, well, let's keep that in mind, but let's wait three full days on that financial decision. Just like we're talking about these credit card offers. If we just waited three days, maybe we'd put everything into perspective. And that credit card offer will always be there, right? So that's rule number three. Rule number four is don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. So when you hear so many talk show people talking about that you really don't need credit in today's society and that credit can only lead to problems, well, you know, we've done a lot of radio shows that teach you the benefits of using your credit and using it wisely. Rule number five, if you know their tricks, they don't work. And we're talking about one such trick right now on the air. And that is these department stores and these credit card offers at the last minute. You're in line. People are in back of you. Your kids are tugging on your arm. They want to go home. Your husband's waiting at home, wondering where you are. Well, so you're pressured and you make an impulse decision. Rule number six is to spread your knowledge. 
Tell your friends, educate them, educate your family as to the ways of finance and get them started by getting to know these rules and you'll find them at savingthousands.com. You know, Robert, I got a question. Let's get back to these credit cards at the department store. Why is it so easy for them to get us to bite? Yeah, you know, and we all have the best intentions. We all sit there in line and say, oh, we're going to we're gonna pay this off as soon as we get home, <laughs> right? And and let me tell you, it's just like, they, you know, they say Vegas wasn't built on winners. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, credit card companies were not built on winners. And, you know, we all have that intention. Oh, well, I'll get the 20% off or the 10% off and I'm going to go home. I'm going to pay this off. So it's not going to matter. Well, wrong. You know, most people don't. And and the other funny thing is, you know, Rob, if you look at the bank that actually issues that department store card, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing. At the end of the day, the department store is not the one giving you the money. They've hooked up with a bank. And what the bank has figured out is they can charge you an egregious interest rate <laughs> if they give you the card in line while you're at the store because people are less likely to shop around. You know, when they mail you a credit card offer in the mail, you know, now you're at home, you're in your own element. You know, maybe you're going to go online and do some research and some comparison shopping. And and so they've got to be competitive. And so what you'll see is the same banks will offer you a 10 to 15 percent lower. I'm talking 10 to 15 points. So like if it's wow. 29% at the department store, you could probably get it for 15% interest just by calling that same credit card company directly. Mm-hmm. But they know what happens. You know, you, you run that charge up and your intention is you're going to go home and pay it off. And then guess what? Life happens, right? Life always happens. All of a sudden your car needs new tires. All of a sudden your air conditioner goes out at the house, you know, whatever it is. And now that money that you put aside to pay off that credit card all of a sudden, it's going to something else. It's going to something that popped up. You're going out to dinner that night with your friends, and you end up spending a little more than you thought you were. Whatever happens, and now that purchase sits on that credit card, and you're mailing the minimum payment, and all of a sudden, you wake up, and that T-shirt that cost 15 bucks that you saved 20% on ends up costing you 150 because mm-hmm. it takes you 20 years to pay it off, you know? And and how many of us can how many of us can really afford to continually pay that kind of money? But it's, it's what happens, and it's, it's how they build a trap. You know, they want to get you in there and get you hooked. It's almost like a drug dealer. You know, but this is how big financial services companies works. Uh, you know, uh, homeowners insurance, car insurance, same way. You know, they get you in, they get you hooked. The most powerful thing they ever did was come up with auto bill, right? Yes, You know, sir. We, we think auto bill is this great convenience in life, right? You know, like, oh, this is great. I just, they just take the money out of my checking account every month. I don't even <laughs> notice it, right? Well, yeah. And then when they increase your premium next year, you don't even notice that either. And then when they increase your premium again the year after that, you don't even notice that. Mm -hmm. You know, so again, there's all these things that that they are doing to stack the deck against us as consumers. And so I felt like it was my duty, my responsibility to come out here and get on the radio and tell people how this stuff works and and try to educate them. And a lot of this stuff is is common sense, but it's it's stuff we just don't think about, you know, because... Again, it's designed for us not to think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's they spend a lot of money hiring really, really expensive consultants and marketers to come in here and figure out ways to confuse the crap out of the consumer so they can get more interest, so they can make more money. And, and that's what I'm here to change, Rob. That's why I come on the radio every Saturday and now mm-hmm. every weekday to try to open people's eyes to it and, and keep an eye out for what's going on out there in the media. You know, what, what's the new big thing we got to watch out for? What's the new big tactic they're trying to use to, to take advantage of people? And we're, just, we're not going to stand for it, man, because I'm telling you, it's simple. All you got to do is take the time to shop around. You know, if you're standing in line, and this is one of my favorite things, and I'm, I'm, the, I'm the jerk that does this. When I'm in line at, at the department store and they're like, you know, sir, would you like to open a whatever credit card today? And I'm like, well, that depends. You know, what's the annual percentage rate and annual fee? They have no idea, right? I mean, the poor girl, she has no clue. I mean, she's sitting here, you know, just supposed to be checking out and ringing up, you know, whatever I'm buying that day. And all of a sudden, you know, she throws in, which I like, what I like, a credit card. And I'm asking her for details. So it never fails. They, they go digging through the cash register, right? Because somewhere buried deep is like the the brochure for the credit card, right? The little pamphlet, right? So I, I'm, like, yeah, I'm sure maybe I'll get that. You know, what's the APR? What's the, the annual fee? And so the, then the, the search ensues, right? So now they're looking at all the drawers, looking for the little pamphlet and, Finally, they dig it up, and now we're all looking to the fine print together and trying to figure out what it is. And and then the funny thing is, I would say half the time, they are actually embarrassed when they find the, the annual percentage rate to have to tell you. Because they're like, oh, my God, it's 29%. Like, like they had no idea. Like, well, mm-hmm. you work here. You just tried to sell me this credit card with a 29% interest rate. And now it's like you're embarrassed by the fact that the interest rate is 29%. You know, they don't even know what they're selling you because, again, it's just somebody figured out, let's have the cashier ask the question, mm-hmm. would you like to save 20% today by opening a whatever account? 
and they have no idea how much it costs. They have no idea what the annual fee is. They have no idea what the annual percentage rate is. And when they see it, they're even ashamed to, to try to sell you that credit card, you know? So mm-hmm. it just, it amazes me, you know, but that that's how it works. You know, mortgages were one of the worst back in the day, you know, still are, you know, we've, you know, I came out at RP funding and I, I decided we weren't going to charge lender fees and the rest of the industry thought I was an idiot. That's you know, right. I think they wanted to, half of them wanted me to fail and half of them wanted to murder me in my sleep. <laughs> um, you know, and then when I went on the radio and started talking about it and telling mm-hmm. people how this stuff works, uh, you know, cause the funny thing is in the mortgage business, those, those lender fees, they actually, we call them junk fees. You know, that's what they're called in the industry. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's ever been in the mortgage business knows that the underwriting fees and the processing fees and the origination fees, they're called junk fees. Now, if the industry itself calls them junk fees, how important can they really be? As you listen to the radio shows on the Saving Thousands radio network, and you go back to the archive section on savingthousands.com, and you listen to the info modules, and you listen to some of the programs, you're probably wondering, where did Robert Palmer come up with all of this insight into finances? I mean, this isn't something you learn in school, right? And I don't know of any courses at the community college that we can take that teaches us about consumer finance. So where did Robert come up with all this information? Well, over the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years or so, Robert Palmer has been involved in the mortgage industry. Therein lies the clue. For you see, in the mortgage industry, you're looking at people's credit reports, you're looking at their mortgage applications, you're looking at the credit scores, and okay, from all of that, you kind of see all the things that come into consumer finance, some of the mistakes people make, and some of the ways they take advantage of credit and get those big 800 credit scores. So Roberts has a real insight into that, and that's the purpose of these shows, is to pass that insight on to you. It's a great win-win situation. Now, I want to talk for a minute about, we've been, we've been talking about all these crazy fees, right? Well, there's fees for credit cards. There's fees in a lot of the areas of finance. But Robert, I got to say that I think most of the mortgage industry leads the league when it comes to useless fees. It was this whole idea that in the mortgage business, you have to take advantage of people and you can't be transparent. You have to charge all these stupid fees, even though we call them junk fees and every company just makes them up. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, it's like when you look at the normal like mortgage closing costs, you've got like doc stamps on the deed. Those are set by the state of Florida. You know, they're, they're set in stone. They're a set amount. There's title insurance. Those rates are set. They're called promulgated rates. They're set by the state insurance commission. You know, a, a survey is usually about the same money from different surveyors. Mm-hmm. The appraisal cost is like three fifty to four hundred dollars. They're pretty standard. And then you would get into the lender fees, the junk fees, and they would yeah. just make up numbers like, "Oh, underwriting nine hundred dollars." Mm-hmm. When this guy over here is like, "Underwriting's two hundred dollars." And what's the actual cost of underwriting? Nowhere near that. Oh, processing, that's $400, you know, just all these crazy fees. Mm. And then there's origination fees and mortgage broker fees. And what these are is they are fat. They are excess profit for the mortgage loan originator. And one of the reasons these mortgage loan originators need the excess profit is because they aren't actually the lender and they're not actually the servicer. And all they can do is make money by charging you fees up front, right? Where we as a lender and a servicer, we have the option, I can keep your loan, and I can make a quarter point a year on it for the rest of your life. I can securitize your loan and then transfer the servicing in bulk. I can securitize your loan and keep the servicing. I can sell your loan to somebody else and let them securitize it. I have a lot of options. And so all of these options allow us to get more, you know, have more revenue per loan. Mm-hmm. And so that means we don't have to charge the fees. And that's really what the key to this is. The fees are just their excess, their glut, their 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 pure profit. And the other reason a lot of companies have to charge fees is because they pay too high of commission to their salespeople. So what happens, Rob, is in most cases the the salesperson is completely responsible for going out and finding the business. Right. Right. No one's ever heard of this mortgage company. No one's ever called this mortgage company and asked for a home loan. No one knows who they are. And so they hire a salesperson and they say, "Go find mortgage loans." And and so what happens is this salesperson now has to go out and prospect and. They go meet with with real estate agents, and they meet with attorneys, and they meet with financial planners, and you know they meet with their sphere of influence, sure. their cousins and uncles and aunts and nephews, and then they bring those loans into the mortgage company. Well, what happens is if that salesperson goes to another mortgage company, all of those people and relationships go with them. And so what happens is mortgage companies get in these bidding wars trying to attract these, these salespeople to leave where they are, leave mortgage company A and go to mortgage company B and bring all your clients with you. And so what happens is the way you attract that is you pay higher and a higher and a higher commission. 
Well, none of these companies want to bear the cost of that commission. So what they do is they raise their fees and they raise their rates in order to cover the ridiculous commission they're offering this salesperson mm -hmm. to get them to jump ship from mortgage company A to mortgage company B. I built a totally different model. Here, we take on the burden of making the phone ring. You know, we go out to the consumer with a great product, no lender fees, easy on-time process, $1,000 best deal guarantee, and I go talk about it on radio, and I talk about it on TV, and I put it on billboards, and I put it in your mailbox. And so when you call here, you're doing business with RP funding, not just the salesperson. And so my, my sales commissions are nothing. I mean, we pay a base salary and a bonus. We don't even pay traditional commissions. Mm -hmm. So where my competitor may be paying on a $200,000 loan, they're paying a $4,000 or $5,000 commission. I'm paying $600 in total salesperson compensation between salary and bonus, right? Who can give you a better deal? The guy mm -hmm. who's paying four to 5000 to the salesperson or the guy who's paying an average of 600 to the salesperson? And the funny thing is my salespeople actually make more money at the end of the year because they make it up in volume. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to attract the best of the best. Uh, some of the best the best mortgage loan originators in Central Florida work for me for way less per transaction because they get to make it up in volume. At the end of the year, they know their W-2 says more than the competitor, but that lets me give better deals to the consumer. I mean, it just works. It's such an easy system, but I still have people that look at me skeptically like, well, where are the fees? Well, how do you yeah. make money? I don't I'm know. like, I, I make money by not overpaying commission because we're not desperate for that business. The competitor is desperate. He doesn't know how to make his phone ring. He doesn't know where his next client is coming from. The only thing he knows how to do to get more business is go offer salespeople higher commissions. Well, if the only way you can grow your business is by paying higher and higher commissions, what happens? You have to raise your cost. You have to mm -hmm. raise your price. You can't give the consumer the same deal as I can because you pay too dang much in commission. It's that easy. It's that simple. And, and people still are skeptical about it. So whatever. That's how we do it. We don't charge fees. We give you a great deal. That's what RP Funding is all about. If you're buying a home, if you're refinancing, whatever you're doing, give us a call right now, 855-773-8634. That's 855-RP-Funding, 855-773-8634. Or visit us on the web at rpfunding.com. Well, that was the fastest hour I think we've ever had on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. We certainly covered a lot of ground, didn't we? And if you want to hear the show again, just simply go to the archive section of SavingThousands.com. And you know, SavingThousands.com is just one of the many tools that Robert Palmer offers. There's the Saving Thousands Rules to Success. There's this radio show. There's the iHeart channel under Robert Palmer. There's the Ask RP section of SavingThousands.com. You got a question for Robert? You can ask him directly by just simply clicking on the tab that says Ask RP. That's pretty cool, right? All right. We also want you to use rule number nine and start sharing your success with other people. If you have a financial success, share that with your family, share that with your coworkers, and I guarantee you that way we all get ahead. And don't forget about that home value hotline that I talked about earlier in the show. You will get a precise evaluation of your home set by local real estate agents on Robert's preferred list. Now, these folks aren't after you for a listing because as far as they know, you're just trying to determine the value of your home for a refi, for a refinance. So they're more than happy to help you out there. And maybe later on down the road when you need a real estate agent, you'll remember that nice man or woman. Those are just some of the ways that we here at Saving Thousands are offering you consumer empowerment. Lots of great tools, lots of great radio ahead as we save thousands with Robert Palmer.